Well, hello, Pastor Matt here. Just want to take a moment to say thank you for tuning in to this message. We here at New Life Baptist Church hope that in making these resources available to the public, that we'll help to edify the body of Christ at large, and that you personally will increase in your knowledge of God, leading to a deeper love for Him. Go ahead and grab your Bible, turn to Colossians chapter 4. We're going to dig into the Word of God this morning. We're going to be reading verses 7, 8, and 9. So I'm going to give you just a, a few moments to turn there, uh, if you haven't already. But Colossians chapter 4, 7, 8, and 9. Uh, and again, if you're following along in the Version Bible app, the te- the, this morning's verse will already be in there for you. And then you can just take notes as you follow along. Um, So this morning's um, sermon, I have titled it, Useful to God. Useful to God. And that is what we aim to be in this lifetime, is to be useful unto the Lord. Now, let's go ahead and read this morning's text, and then we'll get into our introduction, and then we'll get into our um, digging of this verse So Colossians chapter 4, verse 7, 8, and 9. This is the word of God. Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and faithful servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, your faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, just as um, the title of this sermon is, I I desire to be useful to you this morning, Father. Lord, this is a very bizarre time in that we are living in, Lord, certainly for, for us, God. It's, it's very different. And, uh, Lord, I just, I pray that right now, Lord, that you supernaturally uh, work in all of our hearts and our minds, Lord, to, to unite us in the Spirit, Lord. I pray that you supernaturally, God, that you get your word from this office in my home, Lord, through the internet to your people, God. And I pray that it penetrates hearts, Lord, and that your word goes forth and accomplishes all that it has set out to accomplish this morning, Lord. May every word that comes from my mouth, Lord, be of truth in love, God, and everything that is of my own opinion and my own invention, may it be forgotten. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So I will confess here at the beginning that whenever I began my preparation for um, this sermon, I was at a loss. <laughs> I looked at this text and really all the rest of the verses in uh, that we have left in chapter 4, really in, in the, it's the ending of Colossians. And I thought to myself, man, we're, we're here in Paul's final greetings. What in the world am I going to preach with Paul's final greetings? And I was quickly reminded that there are no wasted words in the Bible. None. 
every article, every conjunction, every prepositional phrase has been carefully placed there through the hands of men who were inspired by the Holy Spirit. Even these final greetings of the letters to various churches are divinely inspired. It is true that not every single verse or every single chapter or every single sentence is a direct command of something that we need to do. That's true. Yet, every line in the Bible should be viewed as a row in a crop from which we can draw a harvest. Every sentence is a mine from which we can extract gold. But rest assured Um, sometimes we do have to dig a bit deeper than with other passages, but I want you to rest assured that the gold is there. We need only dig. A.W. Pink, he's an old dead theologian. He stated, no verse of scripture yields its meaning to lazy people. Man, how true that is. We must come to the word with shovel and pickaxe in hand, ready to dig for meaning under the light of the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, or the illumination of the Holy Spirit, rather. I want us to learn to examine each text, whether it's the opening of a letter, the red letters of Jesus, prophecy, commands, the law, the Torah, the Psalms, or final closing remarks. We must learn to look at all the aspects of a verse to search for something that we can learn, knowing that there are no meaning, meaningless words in Scripture. I believe we will learn today that just as there are no meaningless words in the Word of God, that there are no meaningless tasks in the kingdom of God. And that's why I have titled today's sermon, Useful for God. So let's look at our text here. What's going on? Who is Tychicus? Who is Onesimus? I would be willing to wager that those names have not made uh, the top 100 baby names of 2020 or 2019 or any time in the future. Tychicus and Onesimus, who in the world are these guys? Nobody's lining up to attend a conference on the life of Tychicus and Onesimus. So who are they? Why are they here? There's a purpose for them being mentioned here. What's going on? See, Paul informing the Colossians of these two men, Tychicus and Onesimus, that he is being, he is sending them to the Colossians for, for four reasons. And we're just going to go through these quickly. The first reason is we don't see in the text here, but we understand that this letter, the letter to the Colossians, and also the letter to the Ephesians, and the letter to Philemon, All of those letters had to make their way from Paul's hand to their hand. So the first reason why he's sending these people is to deliver these letters to the churches and then to Philemon. Uh, The two would actually have to travel over a thousand miles, maybe even as much as 2,000 miles, depending on how they traveled, to get to their destination. Remember, Paul is in prison in Rome. And this is a letter to the Colossians. Now, I know you don't really know where that's at immediately in your head, but let's suffice it to say that it's not just a 15-minute drive the way that everything else is here in Lubbock. 
It's very far away. It's a thousand to two thousand miles away, depending on how they traveled. So this is a, a good trip here. Secondly, Paul is sending them to tell the church how he is doing. Sorry about that. Experiencing some technical difficulties. I don't know how much of that you caught or not um, of that little interaction, but I apologize for that. Um, so where I left off was that the second reason why Paul was sending them uh, was to, to let the Colossians know and the Ephesians know how he was doing. Thirdly, Paul is sending them to encourage the church. We see that in the, the last bit of verse 8. He said, that you may know how we are doing and he may encourage your hearts. And lastly, Paul is sending Onesimus back home to Philemon, or back home to Colossae, um, and Philemon lives there. We know this from reading the letter to Philemon, and we'll come back to that one later. But let's consider that on the, on the surface, this appears to be the most ridiculous request of all time. Paul is asking these guys to travel one to 2,000 miles to deliver a letter, to tell them how he's doing, to encourage them. I mean, these are, this seems a little silly, Paul. I, I, this is like the world's slowest text message. You know, I, I mean, come on, Paul. Surely there's something else for me to do. And that brings us to our first point. This morning, we're going to aim to learn three lessons from the lives of these two men. And you see it there in the YouVersion Bible app if you're following along there. But the first one is that there are no meaningless tasks in the kingdom of God. There are no meaningless tasks in the kingdom of God. Everything has a purpose. We don't have a wealth of info on who this man Tychicus was. But we do know that he was a valuable asset. He first shows up in Acts chapter 20, verse 4. We won't turn there because it's, it's just as mentioning the name Tychicus, that he's joining Paul as Paul is heading out on a missionary journey. Uh, we find in 2 Timothy and then in Titus that Paul was sending Tychicus here, there, and everywhere. He was a trusted brother in the Lord. We know Tychicus to be dearly loved by Paul. We know he is a faithful minister and a fellow servant in the Lord. We see that from what we read here in our text. And make no mistake, these are big statements that are being made of this man. To call him a beloved brother, a, a faithful minister, a fellow servant in the Lord. Don't let those words pass you by. Let's imagine for a moment what it must have been like to be part of the early church. This man, Jesus, has caused such polarizing thoughts, opinions, ways of life, and belief systems. He has, as he promised in Matthew chapter 10, turned mother against daughter and father against son, households against one another. The truth of his deity has been the sword that has divided and now there are these apostles and disciples who are taking the world by storm, spreading this good news of grace, peace with God through faith in Jesus Christ. They're being cast out of society, hunted down, locked away, and even martyred for preaching this message. Imagine being there as a part of 
the Apostle Paul's gospel ministry team. Imagine what that must have been like. Here you have this man who, who used to kill Christians for believing in this same Christ that he is now preaching and suffering consequences for preaching. This Jesus of Nazareth. Christians are meeting in homes and hideaways for fear of being caught and persecuted. So what is it that binds these early Christians together? Love. Love and a common goal. The love that they had is the love that believers have for one another because of Christ's love for them. We love because he first loved us. It is a supernatural love uh, because it is forged in the regenerated heart by a spirit sent from heaven. That is why this bond is so meaningful. It is the Spirit of God working in and moving among those early Christians to unite them in the one common goal, namely to get the gospel out to as many people as possible. They need to hear this message. They need to know about peace with God through Jesus Christ and then to teach those people how to live the gospel-transformed life. Now you can see why a seemingly small task like delivering a letter to a faraway church is actually a really big deal. It's not a small matter. Little did Tychicus know the, the incredible impact his faithfulness would have in ministering to the needs of the saints. And his willingness to be a servant of the Lord would have a major effect on generations of Christians. I mean, here we are in 2020 in the midst of a pandemic and global unrest talking about Tychicus. Surely he didn't know. Surely he had no idea. Surely he might have looked at this and had been tempted to think, man, this is crazy. This is such a small thing to ask. I don't want to do that. And isn't that just like us? We so often aren't willing to do the small, menial task uh, around the church or in a ministry because it just doesn't look appealing. Maybe it doesn't have the kind of visibility or notoriety you desire. Maybe it's such a small task that you can't fathom it having any sort of impact. I mean, come on. Holding the door open for people as they come into the church what impact could that have? What difference could that possibly make? Clicking buttons and moving slides on a soundboard? What impact could that have on the kingdom? What about leading a Sunday school class for, for five-year-olds? I mean, they can't even barely understand or sit still for longer than three minutes. How can I have an impact for the kingdom? Sweeping the church, throwing away trash, inviting someone to come to church, praying for someone, sharing the live streams. These are such seemingly small tasks that there's no way my contribution really matters all that much. Oh, but it does. 
you may never see the fruits of your labor in this life. But you need never ever worry that your work for the Lord, no matter how seemingly insignificant, is in vain. Jesus says in Matthew 10 verse 42 that even a glass of water given in his name to his most insignificant disciples will not go unrewarded. But why? Why is it this way? Why does God do it like this? I, I want to have the big position. I want to be in front of the camera. No, you don't. I, I, I want something better. Why does God do it this way? Because it's not about the act. It's not about the duty or the task or the responsibility or the accomplishment. It's about the willingness of your heart. Are you willing to do what the Lord asks of you? Number two, we need to know that God doesn't need your abilities. He desires your willingness. The life that will be used of God is the one that simply says, here I am, send me. It doesn't matter what the job is. It doesn't matter what the task is. It doesn't matter how big or how small. What I need to do is, if you send me, I will go. Whatever it is, Lord. I want you to notice something that Paul says of Tychicus in verse 7. Look at it with me. Whenever he's telling them about who Tychicus is, he says that he is a beloved brother and a faithful minister and a fellow servant of the Lord. What you need to take away from that is that Paul is putting Tychicus, this lowly mail carrier and message giver, on the same level as himself. He calls him a fellow servant. We're both working together for the gospel. In other words, Paul is showing that what Tychicus is doing the delivering of this letter and then the message and then encouraging the hearts of the believers, it is every bit as important as Paul writing this epistle. Tychicus is willing to take this long journey that might seem burdensome to some because he knows his work is also for the sake of the gospel and the glory of God. He knows that it might seem like a long trip and, and I might run into some problems, but this is for the gospel. This is to get the gospel to a dying world. This is to encourage the hearts of the fellow believers. As we move forward with this new direction for New Life Baptist Church, Understand that what we need from all of the members of this church is willingness. Hearts that are willing to do whatever the Lord asks and requires of them because they're just grateful to be His. Now don't take this to mean that the Lord won't use your abilities. That's not what we're saying. Surely the Lord has given you abilities that will be put to use, but first... Do you have a heart that's willing? Do you have a heart that's willing to step up 
whenever and wherever you're needed because you know this is for the glory of God. What a privilege it is to be used at all. He could have left me dead in my sins, but he didn't. He could have left you dead in your sins, but you know what? He didn't. He saved you and created you anew in Christ Jesus for good works that he prepared for you long ago. So the question is, will you be willing when he calls? Will you be found to be a faithful minister? That word minister is diakonos, and that means essentially a a helper. He was helping whatever the needs were. We're all ministers because we minister to the needs of the body of Christ. So it's not meaning minister as in a pastor or an elder necessarily. It means that he's just there to help. He's an assistant. Will you be willing when he calls? Will you be found faithful? Will you be a fellow servant or will you be another person just taking up a seat inside of a church? Dear friends, just as the Lord calls us to be in the world but not of the world, it is quite possible to be found guilty of being in the church building but not of the church body. Don't let that be you. Whatever it is that the Lord asks of you, whether it be cleaning toilets or playing music or operating a soundboard or turning on lights or opening doors or counseling a marriage on the rocks or teaching five-year-olds the truths of the gospel or anything else under the sun, work not as unto men but unto the Lord, knowing that it is from the Lord that you will receive your reward in due time, even if that due time is whenever you cross over into eternity. Nothing done in the name of the Lord goes unnoticed. Be steadfast. Be immovable. Be ever abounding in the work of the Lord and know that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. And lastly, God does not waste his children. We've been talking about Tychicus this whole time. You might think we forgot about Onesimus, but have no fear we haven't. Let's lastly focus our attention on the brief mention of this man. I told you earlier that one of the reasons that Paul was sending these men to the Colossians and to the Ephesians was to send Onesimus back home. And see, what you need to know about Onesimus is that He was a runaway slave. The letter to Philemon, it's actually preparing Philemon to receive Onesimus back, but not as a bondservant again, but as a beloved brother in the Lord. It is believed that not only is Onesimus a runaway slave, but that he also stole money from Philemon on his way out. The letter Paul writes to him suggests that Onesimus might owe Philemon some money. And Paul says, charge it to my account. Take him back as a brother. Reconcile in the Lord. Where we learn from Tychicus that there is no duty or task done for the sake of the gospel. That 
goes unnoticed or lacks value. We learn here from Onesimus that there is no life, no matter how messed up, that is too lost to be changed by the power of God. Onesimus is a fugitive. He's a runaway slave. He's a thief. Rome punished runaway slaves with harsh measures, sometimes even leading up to death. It was considered a really great crime. And he's a thief. And yet, the Lord transformed Onesimus in such a way that Paul can now trust him to be a faithful companion to Tychicus on his journey to deliver these letters and these messages to the church and also to be reconciled back with his master. See what mighty saving power our God has. See the reconciling power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It equalizes everything and puts us all on the same playing field. How great is our God. He writes to Philemon that Onesimus used to be useless. But now, because of the work of regeneration, he is indeed useful for the kingdom of God. That's in Philemon, I believe it's verse 10 or 11. It would have been enough of an honor and a grace for the Lord to save Onesimus and just stop there. But you know what? He didn't. He also put him to use for the advancement of his kingdom. Think about that. Onesimus, though no one who would want to trust this man, he's a runaway slave, he's a thief. But because of God's working in his heart, he changed everything. I know many will think that this task given to Onesimus, this delivering of these letters might be a small one in some people's eyes. But the thing that we need to realize about this is that he was a valuable enough asset that Paul tells to Philemon that he would rather keep him there to continue to use him for his gospel ministry team than send him back to Philemon. But instead in their situation, reconciliation was the most important matter at hand. His life of running away, of stealing, and whatever else he was into was not enough to disqualify him from usefulness to the kingdom of God. Why? Because it's not about Onesimus. It's not about his failures. It's not about you or me. It's about a life fully given over to the Lord for him to use as he sees fit. I know there might be someone watching this this live stream with us today who isn't a Christian. And you kind of might feel as though you relate to Onesimus, the, the runaway, running from his problems, stealing even. Whatever your situation is, and you need to know this today, that if you have never been transformed by the power of the gospel... You are never too lost for Christ's power to be rendered powerless to save you. There's never been anyone too lost, too dirty, too sinful, too prideful. No one. Christ saves the worst and the least. Why? 
Because he's glorified in that. Because it's about putting your faith in Christ Jesus. It's about understanding that Christ came to this earth. And it was Christ who lived the life that I could never live. And it was Christ then who went to the cross to become my sin. And it was Christ then who died in my place under the wrath of God. And it was Christ who was buried. And Christ who was resurrected on the third day. And Christ who was taken up to the right hand of the Father in heaven. And it is Christ who is seated right there right now. And he has given the name above every other name. Jesus Christ our Lord. And it is about you just trusting that that really happened. And that I am who he says he is, and he is who he says he is. And putting your faith in him, turning in repentance towards him, the scriptures say that you will be saved. Even Onesimus, the Onesimus of the world, the Matt Cavassos of the world, I want you to be encouraged today that everyone saved by God is used of God. It has never been true that God saves someone and puts them on the shelf. It's never been true that God just saves people and just sends them to church all the time. That's not how this works. It might seem like a meaningless task that you are given It might seem small, the things that the Lord is asking you to do. But you need to remember and understand that there are no meaningless tasks in the kingdom of God because we do not serve a meaningless God. Though the Lord grants us all certain talents and abilities, it is not your talents and abilities that the Lord is after. What the Lord is after is a willing heart, one that is grateful towards him for salvation. On the other hand, no matter how unable or untalented you may feel, God never wastes his children. Indeed, everyone saved by God will be used of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the truth of the gospel. We thank you for your Son, who sets us free from all that we are. We thank you that you did for us what we are completely unable to do. And then we thank you even further, Lord, that you then use us for your glory. Though we be the Onesimus and we be running And though we might feel incapable and unable and untalented, Lord, you've never wasted your children ever before, and you're not going to start now. So, Lord, I pray that in the coming days, weeks, months, and years, Lord, that you unite us all as a body of Christ. Teach us what it is that you are asking of us corporately and individually, and help us to cherish the truths of your word in our hearts, Lord, and help us to be willing to do whatever it is that you ask of us, God. 
knowing that anything we do in the name of the Lord is for your glory. I pray for this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Grace, peace, and mercy to you all.